Hey there, Joshua here. Just getting home from my interview. Uh, today, I'd like to give a big shout out to uh, Sky uh, for uh, linking me up to this guy, Jesse Russell. Uh, Jesse um, is developing this new uh, small home community called the Hiatus here in Bend. And um, I had seen the homes and heard about him uh, off and on. Um, so it was really cool to meet him through um, another avenue. And uh, we sat in the model home today and chatted a bit about uh, local Bend politics and uh, the some of the hurdles to developing uh, something new and then uh, we got into the more community um, side of things uh, with the interview. Um, real pleasure talking with Jesse today. Um, seems to uh, have a good zest for life and a uh, pretty driven dude um, and above and beyond that was the kindness. I was really impressed with how kind he was and um, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I'm really happy to introduce uh, him to you here. Thanks for listening and uh, come back again soon. So we're rolling. Um, how old are you for the record? I am 44 years old. I'll be 45 January 22nd. Great. Who are you and how do you describe yourself? Um, I am Jesse Russell. Uh, I am currently a developer and builder, um, but I don't think I've ever really identified with my job in the way that it, it is like who I am. You know, I was a reality TV producer for a long time and I never felt like I'm a reality TV producer, you know, for some reason, I, um, I've never been the person that's like, uh, whatever my career is defines who I am as a person. So I think I'm just, you know, a guy that is interested in a lot of different things and every once in a while something pops up that I get interested in for a really long time. Mm, that's yeah. cool. Uh, this question is a super easy one to like answer in a way that I don't want you to. Okay, alright. <laughs> um, so, uh, try, to, try to come at this one from like what, how you're really affected. Um, not on these grander, like more idealistic standards, but like really what's getting to you these days. So what concerns you about the state of the world and humanity? Uh, like what's that thing that you find yourself being frustrated about um, on a regular basis? And then what inspires you or, or motivates you to do something about it? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I find I don't have as much time to spend uh with my buddies, you know, like my good friends. Uh, one of the things I really love about the friendships that I have is uh, just sitting around and talking and speculating about the world and our lives and how we're moving through it and all of that. And now I have a family, so it's a little bit more difficult to find the time to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important for all humans to, to try to stop and sit and think and wonder uh, about themselves and their part in the world and you know that's an, and that's not a place you get to where you have it all figured out it's just continue it, mm -hmm. it, it's continual change uh, all the time for an individual and for me I really um, I really value uh, my friends opinions about that and they've helped me you know immensely through all kinds of different chapters of life and uh, I find that I don't get enough time to do that and I think the reason I don't get enough time to do it is the reason a lot of people don't get enough time to do it. And that's that we get really obsessed with things easily. Um, and I think that's as Americans. I think you go to Europe and they have a little bit better work balance, work-life balance. Um, and I really strive to do that in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and as of late with this development, uh, I haven't really been able to do that. I'm getting back to that place where 
there's a good balance of time to sit around and think about stuff. But um, I think everyone's moving a little too quick sometimes, including myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how like there's this busyness that seems to me like, uh, you know, the greater America is um, has been selling as like the ideal for quite a long time. And now it seems like most people are fully bought in and then the business kind of cuts out all the time and it makes you really stressed out and it makes you work harder and pull in all the hours and then you've got all the money and then you got to spend all the money. And it's like this vicious cycle. I'm coming at it from a little bit different position where like my curiosity about other people is paramount to anything else I've got going on in my life. So I spend a lot of my time thinking yeah. and talking. Yeah. And weighing all the options and i think maybe i'm doing it to the point where it's like on the other end of the spe- spectrum where it's like i can only see the issues you know oh right and uh that gets tiresome as well yeah for sure i mean there there's a to me balance is the whole deal you know and balance is uh something that you you don't just attain balance and hold it it, it it's a it's a lifetime of trying to continue to balance stuff yeah and i think if you just look at your overall life a little bit like that um, and that's what I've always tried to do. If I'm working too much, I'm like, okay, I'm working too much. Something's going on that's not right here because I'm not, I'm not feeling happy or I'm not feeling like myself or yeah. whatever it is. Um, and then, uh, you know, you try, to, you try to balance it out. You try to find some time to, to do something else or, or change radically. You know, that's what I did with my career in television. I was like, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. And I don't know what, what it is I'm going to do, but I need to change this. And that's when I started kind of taking more time to you know, do all the classic, you know, I meditated, I went on yoga retreats, I did ayahuasca in Peru. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was on like this search for, uh, search for kind of balance, really. It wasn't even like, who am I or any of that? It was just like, how do I balance my life back out so Mm -hmm. that I'm enjoying my life again? Um, And ironically, the coming to do the tiny houses was that. When I first built the first tiny house on wheels, uh, my friend Kit, who lives here in Bend, I was living in L.A., um, and I had heard about tiny houses because I was pitching a, uh, a network, um, and they were going to launch their network with this show called Tiny House Nation, um, and I'd never heard of tiny houses. I went back, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my God, this would be awesome in Bend. Hmm. And so I called Kit, and I was like, he lived in the Shoots River Woods, has a big shop. He's the handiest dude I know. Uh, we've been best friends since we were, you know, like 10 or something. And uh, so I called him and I was like, hey man, I want to build this tiny house. I had saved up some money from doing TV. And um, he was like, yeah, come on and let's do it. And I went to Europe for a couple months because I, I still had this kind of in the back of my head, maybe this thing where I went to Europe and, you know, uh, found some life there that, <laughs> you know, that, that was uh, this idealist thing. And I got there and I had started a photo blog uh, called uh, Drowning in the Days, and I was taking photos of swimming holes. Because what I came up with was, what do I really like to do? And I love swimming. I really like to go to, <laughs> to swimming holes. Mm-hmm. This all sounds so stupid no, now, but, great. but it was really funny. So I'm, I'm, I got these books, and, um, and I went in, I was in Italy, uh, uh, Switzerland. I ended up in France, and I was at this swimming hole. And it was the most beautiful swimming hole. Like the, the there, it was granite all around the water, and you could see the paths had been like like thousands and thousands of people had swam here, probably going back to you know, you know whatever times. And I remember I had this thought. I was just like, I'm not enjoying this, you know. And I was by myself, and uh, I just was like, I don't want to be here doing this. I want to be back 
you know, home in Bend. And Bend has always been my home, and it's all, I've always come back and forth. I've lived here and left here a, a dozen times at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I called Kit, and I was like, hey, I'm coming home early. I cut the trip like a few months short and uh, went and lived at his house with his family. And we'd wake up every day, and uh, he had to work, but he we'd sit in his hot tub, and we'd look at the trailer, you know, and we'd go, all right, what's, you know, what's the next task? And he would help me just with the kind of um, – more of the you know what to do but i was the laborer mm-hmm. and that was one of the best summers of my life building that house mm-hmm. it was it was i didn't have anything else to do except that project um and to see it come together and, and then to live in it for a while was uh it just it was really really gratifying mm. yeah and i and balance sorry so and, and at that moment I, at that time i had real balance i felt like because mm-hmm. i was really enjoying being home i had my friends I, I had physical work that I was doing, and it was interesting. I didn't need any of the like meditation or self-help books or uh, or yoga or any of that at that point because the physical labor of building was giving me this thing where I was you had you you can't you can't get too existential while you're you know framing a house. You can think a little bit, but you you really have to you know think where the hammer's going, where the tape measure is, and what size things are. And I think that just gave me this kind of meditative thing where I, I, I stopped thinking about like, oh, what am I doing in my life? You know, am I living it right? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, yeah, and then that just led to where I am now. But now, you know, maybe, you know, just thinking about now with you, it's like, did I take that and why couldn't I just be happy building one house, you know, living a super, super uh, simple life? I had to turn it into this like big, 22 unit development that we're trying to do now and now it's gobbled up my life and i don't have balance anymore so i don't know weird yeah (laughs) yeah you said a lot of great things there that's cool what do people mean to you other people as you make your way through the daily grind um you know, people, I, yeah, I, I love people. I'm a people person. I would, I think most people would tell you that about me. They'd say, you know, uh, I'm pretty outgoing. And I like to talk to people. I like to hear about their stories and what they're doing and who they are and where they've come from and where they're going. And um, all of that is, uh, is really interesting. And, um, you know, my close friends, as I was saying to you earlier, uh, they've just been really good people to, to, not guide me through life, but to be there to talk about how to get through it, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up as a, I, I was an only child, and my mom, it was just me and my mom, and she was a bartender. So, you know, I, I spent a lot of time alone um, coming home. And I, I always, like, I always thought of that as, like, what um, what helped me to be really independent. But as of late, I've thought about that, and I think it affected me in a different way. And the way it affected me was a need to have people around all the time. I don't like, I'm not very good by myself. I don't like to sit uh, much by myself. I like to have people around. And I think um, whether that's a fault or not, I really enjoy uh, having a community, you know, and having a family. And um, even here, the workers that work here, everyone and the investors, and it's an amazing group of people that came together to help with this from, mm-hmm. from uh, you know, the, the, the really wealthy that had the money to be a part of this to to you know the guys that are framing the houses or painting the houses mm-hmm. uh, it's been a really group a good group of people and it feels good to be part of uh, a big project that everyone's working together 
and I couldn't do this by myself and he couldn't do it by himself or she couldn't do it by herself, but together we, we all put our parts in and it becomes something that's, you know, greater than, than even what I thought it was going to be, I guess. Yeah. What are the, it's a little bit of a cliche now that I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, I mean, there's, there's struggles too with the people too. It's not just like everyone's living in harmony, but yeah. So that's what I was just going to ask. Like, what do you do about the person that, uh, rude to your wife or cuts yeah. you off in traffic or it's like uh i mean the the more extreme things right committing genocide or yeah. war or blah 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 like you know what are those people mean to you um i do i think i believe that all humans start out good and we've got good in us and um i think people can get really confused um for various reasons um that have to do with you know, even their genetics, but also just the way they've grown up or what they've been taught or, you know, how they were informed. Um, so I tend to try to give people the benefit of the doubt to a certain degree. Mm. Um, however, there's a, there's a line where, uh, it will feel like someone's taking advantage of you or your friends or your family or whatever. Um, and I think when that line is crossed, uh, it's important that there's some action that's taken. Um, I'm not like a fighter or anything, but I definitely, uh, think that there's times in your life if, if there's someone that's uh, in the wrong, it's okay to, to let them know that, mm-hmm. I guess. That's a pretty good segue. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't speak for the world population, but you know, most of the people that I've interviewed for this project seem to place a lot of value on their relationships. Yeah. And, and so I, I used to ask people what community meant to them, but I'm defining it now, and then we'll talk about what that definition. So uh, I've come up with the idea that community is is those relationships with each other and then the world that we live in. So mm-hmm. like just I'm talking major scale, every okay. single human, plant, yeah. animal. Um, that is what I consider community. And um, kind of going from what you just said, like, there's a lot of that going on right now, right? A lot of this injustice, personal to 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 a much larger scale. Mm. Um, so we're not really doing a great job to consider everybody's needs and equality and equity and compassion, mm. all this stuff. Um, and and there is this time, I think, to like say something about it, right? Mm. Like you just mentioned. But like sometimes I kind of feel like we've gotten to a point where like it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter. Like it has to get pretty bad in order for people to get to the point to say something about it. And then sometimes like that beast is so big that like all the saying in the world doesn't really do much about it. Um, why are we, why are we having such a hard time with like the considering of others? Well, I think there's, I think there's a human condition problem as well. I think, I think humans, I think the, the there is a human condition that is suffering that has to do with a defined ego. And I think we, uh, I think at least in America, and now I think a lot of our, a lot of America has bled out to the rest of the world too. Um, we're encouraged to really define who we are. You know, we're really encouraged to be like, I'm Jesse. I have a family. I live in Bend. I snowboard. I'm a developer, and I'm you know I'm left wing. I don't like Trump. Um, I, uh, you know, drive a truck, um, you know, whatever those things are, mm-hmm. um, we're encouraged to define ourselves as much as we possibly can. And once you've done that, it's harder to have empathy for other groups because you've defined 
who you are and, and maybe who your friends are. You know, like, sure. I'd like to think I have a pretty diverse friend group, but there's definitely some things that are total similarities. And like one of those things would be politically. You know, I only have one friend that, that thinks Trump is a good president, for instance. Um, but when you define your tribe like that, it's like it's really hard to see the other, the other person's reasoning for either one, why they think what they think or they're doing what they're doing. Um, and it's hard to have compassion. You know, I think if you can, if you can, if everybody can somehow just remove their, who they are and, and a little bit to be able to see other people, I think it would be really helpful. Mm. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I think, you know, there's this big psychedelic thing happening where, you know, John Hopkins is starting to research this stuff and they're like, yeah, well, you know, large doses of uh, psilocybin can, uh, can cure, you know, addiction, it can cure, uh, it can help people with terminal ca cancer patients, and, you know, the list is long. And it's like, well, what, why would that even do anything? Part of that is because those drugs will completely remove your ego, you know, and it starts to make you think like, oh, I'm part of this bigger thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's why that's becoming popular. And there's like a, you know, Michael Pollan wrote that book. And, uh, um, and I think that's an interesting thing, but it, it is based on the ego thing. It's based on that definition of who you are and feeling really other, you know, like I'm living my story and it's, it's the most important story because mm -hmm. it's in my mind and I tell, I talk, talk to myself about it constantly. Mm -hmm. It seems to be the most important, even sometimes more important than your family, you know, mm -hmm. or your friends or whatever. Um, so I think if like humans could get to the point where they just relax a little bit and, you know, we're able to be open to other people's, you know, and that includes like, you know, I have friends that are really, really left winged and um, they judge other people mm -hmm. by that. You know, like you couldn't say that you were a Republican in front of some of my friends or they would they wouldn't even hang out with you. They would just like they wouldn't even talk to you. You know, and that's that's the huge problem. Right. Like as soon as you can't have dialogue between people, uh, you can't accomplish any kind of equanimity between groups, I think. Right. Yeah. Hmm. It's really interesting about the psilocybin stuff because, you know, there was like a bunch of research being done on that in the 50s and 60s mm -hmm. and then major cover-ups and blah, blah, blah. And like a lot of the impetus for working with those drugs was to see if they could be used for warfare and, you know, yeah, and like right. all this stuff. And, and then there's this element to it um, a, about this kind of more social aspect or the you are part of a grand community bit. And then here in our culture, though, there's this, such an aversion to socialism or, you know, the... the the, the further down the way version communism right in this like collective is kind of out and individualism is so in and and we're so averse to it but then you also have all these little groups right who like there's the people that are fighting every day for um to to put an end to racism and to put an end to homophobia and to put an end to uh removing abortion rights and you know like sex trafficking right and right. Like, i mean so many issues and mm. and and Sometimes it seems like to me like people aren't really getting it on the grander scale. Like you, you, you have to be taught every issue, every nuance to every issue. And so then maybe you're the guy that's like really fighting for anti-racism, but you're a homophobe yourself. Or yeah, right. right. Like just yeah. to use like a couple of crazy examples. Like mm -hmm. it's like our culture is pushing us to define ourselves like you mentioned and to be individualistic and to and to like succeed and to hoard and and consume 
Mm-hmm. But like our spirit or whatever that might be, right? Like the inside of us, the soul, or like, I don't know how to talk about it in a way that won't like make people not listen to this, but like whatever it is that like we so often feel like compels us to do something says just the opposite. Mm-hmm. And then there's this battle. And sometimes that battle is like very visible. That, that battle is often very visible. Mm-hmm. I recognize it in myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I can do little things where I'm like, I act counter to how I feel mm-hmm. by choice. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I can't blame that on anything. Mm-hmm. I have a greater awareness, but I do something lesser. Sure. Regularly. Yeah. Well, that's like understanding things intellectually and then, and then you know, taking action. And there's, there's sometimes a really huge gulf between those two. And that's, you know, it's easy to sit, you know, sit around and talk about changing the world or making it a better place. It's a lot more difficult to live that way, you know, live, live the words that you have or the, the intentions you have. And maybe we have that. Maybe that's part of, maybe people are really lazy. You know, there's a laziness to trying to be a good person. You know, and then you get into like people that are really into like, say, you know, anti-abortion or racism or whatever it is. Um, and they can only see through that lens. Like that's the only way they can. They can't look at someone who's racist and go, well, this person's racist because when they were one year old, they lived with a dad that was racist. Right. And, you know, they used to go to a school where, you know, Mexicans or black people beat them up. Or, you know, whatever. You don't, you don't know what that life story is that that person has had. Right. And if you, if you think that by just, you know, going to rallies and reading books about it, and, you know, it's like, you know, preaching to the converted kind of thing. Um, again, I think you just have to be open that there was, there's reasons why people are the way they are, yeah. you know, a yeah. lot of times. And sometimes those reasons are really tragic. You know, yeah. and it's, a, it's a confusion that that person has or, or, yeah, I, I just think the more you define your values and your your ideals and you, you're not open to ever questioning, you know, your own shit. Like, you know, who sits down and like, you know, that's a good exercise. Sit down and go, what do you really believe? Like, what's the thing you definitely believe? Well, I believe that, you know, anti-abortion. I don't think that there should be abortions ever. Or, or, or I think women should always get an abortion. Um, and then why do you think that, you know, and then what about the, why, why does the other side, you know, think that you, uh, there should be no abortions? Well, maybe that's because they grew up and they truly believe that there is life in there and you're killing, you know, life, or maybe you're more scientific based and you're like, well, there's, that's not even a heartbeat. Like that's not, it's just a massive cell cells. You should be able, you know, so my point is, is, um, it, the more you define your your ideals and your your thoughts and hold on to those, the more people continue to do that, the less movement you're ever going to have as mm-hmm. far as like any kind of innovation or or helping the world. I think mm-hmm. you know it's really cheesy to say it, but like you know everybody, you know why can't everybody just get along? Like, well, why is that? It seems kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't we all just be nice to each other? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we've defined who we are and what we want and what we're going to do and whether we've done that through our life experience and our genes and how we were raised, um, or we just happened to go to college and the friends you got while you were in college believed that, um, or you met some professor who told you about it, or whatever the thing is that mm-hmm. defined that, if you can't stop and examine why you're thinking those things, um, 
I don't think you can ever really, it's, it's really difficult to get anywhere with any kind of progress for problems, I think. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Sure. Uh, I, was, I was just spending a little time with a friend of mine yesterday, I guess, and he was telling me uh, his kid uh, got in trouble. His kid's 13 and uh, was in bend riding around at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning in a family suburban with another kid who was 13 who was driving around at night and they didn't have their lights on and that was the only reason why they got pulled over. Mm. These 13-year-olds were driving around 1 o'clock in the morning um, with no lights on in the suburban. There's a bunch of problems here, right? Yeah. And um, I just... One of the biggest things, and it's like easy to talk about it because it's teenagers and one of the things they're not, like they haven't even developed, right, is like... Um, like the we aspect, just like that there's more to this life than you. Yeah, yeah, right. Any moment. But like 13 is, a, we have a 13-year-old daughter, and it's yeah. like, a, they, they are especially tunnel-visioned into yeah. their own life story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can yeah. almost be like, well, that was really crazy, but you know, you're 13, and like you'll sort it out. Right. Um, I'm having a real hard time with like the, the, the people who aren't 13 who are kind of stuck in that, right? right? And a few times in this project, this idea, these two words, you matter, you matter to me, or whatever, mm. Um, have come up in this way where I'm starting to think about this as 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 if that's almost like a measure in accountability, where it's like uh, your irresponsibility, right, or your negative behaviors um, aren't just like your, they're not just affecting you, and they're not just, like, you can't just go through life not caring because you you matter and, and you matter because like what you do affects all of us. Mm -hmm. And I'm c kind of wondering like I, I I'd like to be uh, part of, or if nobody else wants to like you know start like a revolution mm -hmm. uh, of um, like complete lifestyle change and and mm -hmm. with that a new political system and, and mm -hmm. all sorts of different things. Um, and I kind of would like it to start with this, like where we we can remind, like, it's a convoluted way to say this. I haven't really brought it up in this way before, but like, I'm often really negatively affected by other people. Mm -hmm. I'm paying really close attention most of the time, and I'm sensitive, and to varying degrees, that my feelings uh, get hurt. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes I get hurt like in traffic and sometimes I get mm -hmm. hurt at the grocery store and some, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. The easiest way to describe it is like I'm sensitive to what's going on. And I'm wondering, I, I often am wondering like if that person is doing that thing intentionally, um, if they're doing that thing um, intentionally but they're uninformed, mm -hmm. or if they're doing that thing absentmindedly. Mm -hmm. Those are three different, I would have three different responses if you're thinking about what you're doing, but you've been misinformed, then I would like to have a conversation that could maybe change your mind on the matter, and then you could proceed like in a better way. Mm -hmm. If you're not thinking about it, then I'd really like to understand why you're not thinking about it. And if you're thinking about it and you're doing it on purpose, then I, then that's when I have an issue. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't like in in the most simplest of terms, we just, we don't have that opportunity. We're not given that chance. Like. Uh, every time I get on my bicycle, even here in Bend, Oregon, I have an issue in traffic, like a major life-threatening issue in traffic. Mm -hmm. 
and there's not that space. Like I can't like have someone pull over, right? Yeah. And try to have a conversation because that is immediately like an incredibly tense situation where sure someone's going to get punched or yeah, maybe, like yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a real, it, or it just causes like, it's just too much of an inconvenience to even facilitate it. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing that like ever. It seems like to me, we're really mm -hmm. not connecting in a way where we can get something done or we can accomplish some productive communication. Right. Why? Like, It's not, it's not, we're, we're not headed in the right direction mm -hmm. without doing this. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we doing, why? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it gets down to, again, um, yeah, I'm thinking of the example you're using in a car, you know, um, that's, you know, there's been a lot of studies that have been done with, that people get much more angry in their car than they do kind of anywhere else because they have the car as a, as a, uh, as kind of a buffer between them and the, the outside world. Um, and I think, you know, we have that with other things aside from a car, you know, and that's kind of what we, the, we surround ourselves with those ideals, you know, those, I, those things you really believe. I, I, I strongly believe, so maybe this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I strongly believe, and I should take some time to look at this, but, um, that those, those deep beliefs are like that car. Like you, you can, you can surround, it makes you feel good about work, work rolling through the world. Cause you, you know, at least this thing, like this is the thing, you know, for sure, you know, and back to the human condition thing is I truly believe we don't know what the fuck we're doing. I mean, I don't think anyone really, really knows, you know, you can look at, uh, you know, like celebrities or politicians or something and they have a real, uh, identity of who they are. And we can feel like we know them cause we see them in this intimate way, like a, a television or, a movie or whatever, um, but they're they're going through the same shit. You know, this, they're defining themselves in some way, and that helps them to go like, oh, that's why we're here. That's why religion exists. It's why people buy Lamborghinis when they're fifty. It's you know, it's all of these things are just I think to go back to like, why the hell are we even here? You know, why why are we humans and why are we on this earth and why are what's the bigger purpose? Like humans seem to need to have something that gives them some sort of purpose and that comes out in all kinds of different ways that can come out in a big truck and if you see a bike uh, someone bicycling you don't like them instantly because that's just how you've informed yourself or vice versa you can be on that bike and you're like i can't believe that these cars don't give me space to to you know ride my bike um so yeah now i just went i went uh pretty far off on that but like i think that uh i think it just gets back down to like people defining who they are and not being able to open up to other people. So they don't even know that because you, you started with, um, with, uh, you know, they matter or you matter. And I think the flip to that and the way you usually hear that is not in a negative sense. You hear it in a positive sense. You say to your kids, like you matter, you know, you matter in this world, your voice matters in this world. You can get things done. You can change your world because people will listen to you. And, um, you're flipping that to the other side of things, which is when you do shit that's bad, that matters too. And you could almost argue that matters more. Yeah. Um, but why people do that, I just think it's a, you know, it gets just back to like this, this thing where we're, we're all just here trying to figure it out, you know, and there's things that we do to help us feel better about the unknown of life and death. You know, death is coming to all of us.
which is another subject. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I hear what you're saying. It's uh, it is weird. Like people, you know, living in LA was that was part of it. It was just like I felt like 80% of the interactions I had with people were either really bizarre, like I just did not get that person. The connection, there was no like human connection that would happen. Um, and then uh, some people just felt like, wow, that person is just really out for themselves or all the stuff that's the, the classic stuff you say about LA. I felt like that, that exists there. There's a reason that that's a cliche, but sure. um, I think that's less here, you know? Mm -hmm. Just moving through my day in Bend, I'd say 80% of the interactions I have are great. I sure. really, I really like that person or I, I think they're interesting or, you know, they don't affect me in a negative way. Um, and then when you do have something negative, it's like, how far do you go with that? Do you tell someone that? Do you say, hey, you know, pick up that trash. Why did you just throw that on the ground? I think a real small percentage of people will do that. We'll, we'll confront someone and tell them to do that. But there's a large percentage of people who think that's wrong that they did it, you know? And so I guess trying to figure out how you can communicate to someone without creating like a real adversarial uh, conflict right away with what they're doing. I don't know how you do that. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. Certainly. Yeah. Do you uh, have a sense of purpose? Do I have a sense of purpose? I'm not a religious, I'm not a, a highly religious person, so I don't, I don't have purpose in the sense of a spiritual, um, I wouldn't say I have like a, a real core spiritual uh, belief. Um, I do think getting back to what you're saying with the, it, you matter. The, the only way I've been able to really, uh, think about kind of the grander scheme of things and, uh, people mattering is that when you die, um, I, and I feel like, uh, I feel like in, um, what's that book, the Steinbeck book with, uh, the two brothers, uh, of mice and men. No, oh, no, right. the other one, uh. Anyways, there's something there. There's a farmer. He died. He's like the poor farmer because he just happens to have land where the dirt is not as good and he doesn't make a lot of money. But in that community, everybody wants to talk to him and hear his opinion and he's really helpful to everybody and all that. When he dies, there's true loss. Like people come to his funeral and they're all there because they, they, really, they really feel the loss of that person. And if you can live your life where, you know, this is a really simple way to look at it, but like if you can live your life where people give a shit when you die, um, that's good. That's a good thing. Cause there are people who die and people are like, good riddance. I'm glad that guy's gone. He was a real asshole. Um, so I think like how, you, you know, for me, like the, the kind of spirituality part of it is like, while you're moving through this world, once you die, the only thing for me that's left is these ripple effects of how you affected the people that were there, you know? And so maybe for like a hundred or 200 years, you're still affecting things. Um, and maybe there is a point where, you know, your actions are, are, so far in the past that they're not affecting stuff as much. But I do think that that's how you live on, you know, uh, past your death is how you've affected people while you were working through the world. And that can be negative or positive, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have any closing thoughts? Um, no, man, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think what you're doing is cool. I think if more people, you know, it's you, you've contrived a way to, uh, to reach out and have deep conversations with people um, because of the format that you have. It would be great if this was something that happened with strangers. Mm -hmm. uh, and it does sometimes, but how good I think, and that's what I was trying to say to you at the beginning is it must be great to do this for you because you get to have in-depth conversations with people that you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I don't think everybody does that. And maybe if everybody did do that a little bit more, uh, we would be able to kind of see the other side of people's, we'd have more understanding of uh, people and why they do what they do or live the way they live. I don't know. Yeah. I like it. I think it's cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for, for your time. Sure. Absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah, nice.